Is that a sock you have on your mic? <laughs> that is. I was like, is this mic broken or something like that? I'm Noah. And I'm Ben. And you're listening to Product Journey. Hey, Ben. So uh, we have a guest today. Yep. Good morning, man. And good morning, Peter. Hey, Peter Sum. Thanks for joining us today. Well, thanks for having me. So if you guys don't know who Peter is, he is the founder of Branch, and he is the co-host of the Out of Beta podcast. We, we love listening to that show. Um, so yeah, thanks for joining us. We're excited to just kind of dig down into what you've been up to and how things are going with Branch. So hope, hopefully you're, you're up for sharing about some of that stuff. Yeah, for sure. Like you guys are my inspiration. If we just keep publishing every week, we'll always be like two months ahead of you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, I, I didn't know we had a competition going here. <laughs> oh, I guess we do now. We have <laughs> yeah, we kind of similar podcasts, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah like pretty a lot similar. Of these, these indie startup podcasts. It's good. Yeah, I remember when we were starting, we were like, you know, looking at the different uh, indie podcasts that were kind of starting. I definitely like looked at your guys' and we're seeing what you guys were doing and took some inspiration from that for sure. So. Thanks for doing that. I mean, we're both over a year now, right? Yeah. We're at 70 episodes, I think. Something like that. Wow. That's pretty good. Yeah, we're behind you. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then also, congratulations on the, the new baby. I'm sure that's a lot of fun and a lot of new stuff and also crazy. Yeah, it's a, it's a new, new way of living for sure. But uh, I know we're in the same boat, Noah, so... Uh, yeah, I don't know how how it is to have geckos, but um. <laughs> I think it's easier. <laughs> I guess it depends yeah. on how many you have. <laughs> yeah, I mean they don't scream, and you know, like it's it's pretty chill. <laughs> Peter, how are you like managing your time, or like you know, doing you know, helping with the family and stuff like that, and then working? Like, how are you doing with that? Yeah, that's been a real challenge actually, because. So here in Denmark, where I live, the whole COVID situation kind of like really went a bit quiet over the summer and it wasn't really something people thought a lot about. Um, like the numbers of new infections were like near zero. So we were actually branches, me and at other person. So we actually got an office over the summer uh, with another startup, which has been really awesome. But like after a month, like COVID kind of like kicked back in and... <laughs> Everyone was told to work from home and we live in a very small apartment here. So like, you know, in the beginning, the plan was to kind of like slowly like transition back to working from the office and then, you know, like start a couple hours a day and then kind of like go up from there, see how much help was needed with the baby. Um, but yeah, now it's like work from home in like a tiny apartment and kind of like take care of a baby and work on a startup at the same time. And it's. It's a little bit difficult, um, but kind of like it's it's not sustainable right now. It's like work late hour, late night and early morning and stuff like that. I actually thought about starting to go into the office again, but like go at four in the morning or something like that. So there's no one there. <laughs> um, like you kind of you kind of get a little desperate with like just finding some like carve out some hours to work. Um, and, you know, like it's not sustainable, but you can't really care because it's like. It's just about survival almost um 
but yeah, it's okay. Like, I don't work as much as I need right now, but I also like, it's almost like the less time I have to work, like the more crazy ideas I come up with for like stuff to do. So I just add stuff to my plate. I think this is like the, I think this is the fifth or sixth podcast I'm recording this week. And I'm doing oh, wow. like six or seven next week as well. So, you know, and then I don't really, I don't know if this counts as work. <laughs> but, <laughs> Your yeah. throat's going to get dry. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I don't know. It's hard. I don't have a good solution for it right now. Yeah. I've noticed that it's, it's pretty hard to hold a baby and type at the same time. I don't know <laughs> if you've tried that, but <laughs> yeah, there was one day like where I worked with him in like a carrier, like he was on my hanging like a like a <laughs> backpack on the front kind of thing um but yeah it worked one day <laughs> see I, I told you geckos were way easier they can just chill on your hand <laughs> <laughs> while you type yeah <laughs> oh, that's sweet it's crazy but it's kind of like the same situation here in germany when it comes to COVID, i guess um so i'm yeah i understand that <laughs> um you're doing crazy hours as well you're yeah, pushing, lately, pushing yourself a little hard. Yeah, I am lately uh, getting up at like 5 a.m. and then putting in like two hours before I start making coffee for <laughs> for my better half. <laughs> yeah, you're getting um, up at 5 a.m. even though you don't have to because you don't have a baby. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> it's probably also not sustainable, but, you know, I mean, you're doing it too, so. <laughs> well, it's not sustainable, but the baby will make you. So, like, even if you're too tired <laughs> to do it, like, he'll just make you get up. <laughs> Yeah, that's true. I I'm just making myself get up. <laughs> it's it's hard with little kids where um, it's like just hard to get long periods of focus time because, <clears throat> you know, there's always something that comes up. You know, there's maybe a baby that's crying or diaper that needs change. So you're kind of like going back and forth. And it's I find it's really hard to get your brain to like switch in and out of that. <laughs> yeah. And be able to focus. Like my wife is really good at you know carving out some time for me but when you're like in the room next door or the same room and there's a diaper or someone is crying or whatever like you just want to help like it just it feels unnatural to just you know write php code or something through stupid like that <laughs> instead of like helping out <laughs> yep. let's see peter can you take us back we kind of want to go back to the original like the origin story of Branch and I think like WP Pusher maybe even and just like how did this idea evolve and like how long ago did you start all this this journey with all this? Yeah, um, let me think like how back I should go. <laughs> <laughs> like, so I started WP Pusher is basically the uh, the product that came before Branch. It's a WordPress plugin and it helps you install a plugin or a theme uh, in WordPress from a Git repository. So like you, if you're doing client work and you're doing WordPress sites, like you would install WP Pusher on all your client sites. And then you would, whenever you were like working on a WordPress theme, like you would configure it with WP Pusher. And then every time you push something to GitHub, that would um, be deployed to that site. Like it would be synced basically. Um, so that's that's wp pusher branch is more like a it's a SaaS, so it's a full featured um ci cd tool with basically what we like a deployment system for wordpress on top of it um so it 
knows about like all the different WordPress hosting companies and all the tools you would need to like, you know, run a WordPress project. And then it, yeah, it basically helps you maintain all those projects and deploy your code from a Git repository, build your code like you would do in a CI CD tool and then deploy it. Um, so that's kind of like the difference there. But WP Pusher was the first product. I started working on that in 2014. Um, and there's a, it's a kind of interesting story, but it's also maybe a little long, but I was traveling around the world doing the digital nomad thing at the time. And I was in Thailand mm. and there was this, if for people, like if you have like digital nomad kind of people listening to this podcast, like they'll, if they're OGs, like they'll remember there was a big uh, crackdown basically in Thailand, in Chiang Mai, where uh, the, uh, the uh, military had just taken over like a military coup in Thailand so like a bunch of soldiers and police officers raided raided a co-working space in Chiang Mai oh, um, because they thought people were working there illegally. <laughs> um, and I was in that co-working space like after two, two weeks after arriving to Thailand doing client work. <laughs> um, and it was really scary. Like we spent the whole day in the police station uh, getting interrogated. Um, got out of that situation and decided I wasn't going to like want to go to a, a co-working space and doing cl doing client work in thailand anymore <laughs> um but i still wanted to be in thailand i still wanted to like make some money but i just i was kind of burned out on client projects anyways but it was like a good excuse to tell my clients like i almost got in jail so i can't really you know work on these projects anymore <laughs> and then i had like a, i had like a prototype for wp pusher and i just started working on it and it was like more of a like I guess the indie hackers kind of like side project, small business kind of thing. Um, so it's just always been on the side. Like even after that, I've had full-time employment and stuff like that. And just, I call it my basic income. Um, it's not providing a full-time salary, but maybe a half-time salary or a bit more. And it's just been super stable and still today, like it's still growing. It's just something I kind of have on the side. That's super nice. Um, and then it's just a simple product. And so over the years, like people always asked for like other features or stuff they wanted to do that wasn't really feasible to do in a WordPress plugin. So I just knew that there was, there was an opportunity to create a bigger project, like a much bigger project that wasn't so niche. Um, and that's when I decided to start working on branch. Um, I started working on that. I started working on my prototype in the fall of 2018. And I think in November 2018, I put out a, the famous tweet, like after you have just a prototype that's like working on your own, you know, machine, it doesn't work anywhere mm -hmm. else and just doesn't scale or anything like that. Um, I had no idea like how to actually build it or deploy it. Um, kind of like, I guess, some of the stuff Ben has been doing on Twitter as well. Um, so I just recorded a screencast and put that out there and it got a lot of traction. Um, I think it got like, 60 or 70,000 impressions or something like that, the tweet. So I was like, okay, oh, wow. that's a big opportunity to do something with this. Um, and then at the same time, Rob Walling was talking about starting this accelerator for bootstrappers, tiny seed. I'm not sure it had a name at the time, but as soon as I heard about that, I was like, this could be really good timing. Um, and they hadn't opened applications or anything, anything like that, but I just started like sending him emails and stuff. Um, <laughs> telling him about my 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 project and then um in the spring of 2019 
um, I actually got into Tiny Seed and got some funding from them and started building like the real MVP and then yeah, that's kind of like when Branch started as a real thing and I started working on it full time. That's pretty interesting. So you, um, so the time that's a lot was... to unpack, right? Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> that that's also true. Uh, <laughs> so I'm I'm curious about the funding though, um, because it seems like that was just perfect timing, right? Did you ever consider like going into Branch and developing it without the funding? Yeah, I mean that's how I started. It's just like. Like I wasn't considering any other funding sources really, like even though I probably had other options available. Um, but just the combination of everything that Tiny Seed offered, like their terms was really good compared to other um, like indie funding kind of things. Like their terms are really good and they give you a lot of flexibility and what like basically the what you want to do later on <laughs> in your life. Um, and then like, I've just been following Rob for years and always been a big fan of his podcast and his products and his, you know, all the stuff he's been doing. Um, so, it, you know, there's just like a no brainer, like I'm building a WordPress, uh, product and he was like one of the first angels in WP engine. Like there's just, there was just so many reasons why it was just the perfect fit for me to join tiny seed and, um, yeah. So I didn't really consider other options, um, so it was basically not an option to not take the fun. I mean, I'm just curious if you like, if you could go back, would you do it differently or would you, or did you even like consider it to be a real option um, not to take the funding, but grind it out on your own without the money and actually keep on working client projects while, while doing that? I think if, if anyone regrets anything, it's probably them. <laughs> <laughs> Dude, they give you 120k for like a tiny slice of your company and when you're like at the prototype MVP stage like I don't know. I I I I was I I took that money for sure. That's a pretty good deal. Yeah. And like yeah, I mean you could I could have grinded it out like I had W pusher on the side which is like as I said like my basic income like I I could that was part of the reason they invested because WP Pusher was a part of the deal because it's like I, I don't you can't fund one company and then the founder has another competing product like that just was never an option um so you know with the tiny seed funding and WP Pusher like I knew potentially like I could just do this forever like there was a big boost like the funding from tiny seed but also like I knew you know the WP Pusher would just keep growing probably and um maintaining that and then I could just do this for as long as I needed. So it, it's not like you step on, on, on a treadmill or anything like that. It, at least it never felt like that. Yeah, that makes mm -hmm. sense. That sounds good. <laughs> like as soon as you start to take one of those options where you have to pay back the money, um, or like have to pay it back three times or something like that to get out of the deal, like that's when, you know, it starts to get stressful, I think. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so going back to, you know, you put out this tweet for Branch. Was was that like your main validation, you think, of like, okay, this is something I think is worth doing and building? Or did you do take other steps to like, I don't know, research or figure out that this is something I should build? Yeah, I actually, I did so much. And like, I kind of, sometimes I wish I never did that and just kind of like built whatever like my vision because i feel like i wasted <laughs> i actually feel like i may potentially wasted a year because i i got 
like I had a landing page with a manifesto. Like at the time, everyone did a manifesto, and uh, <laughs> Ben Orenstein and Derek Reimer had just like launched their manifestos. I joke jokingly told um, Ben and Derek that the only like I the only part I didn't copy was like bashing Stripe in my manifesto. Because, <laughs> uh, no Slack, sorry, not Stripe. I don't know yeah, why yeah. I said Stripe. They're so similar those names. Anyways. Um, but I had a manifesto and I had like an email opt-in. So I got a lot of emails there. And then I did, I did a survey. Um, so for everyone who signed up, um, had to like answer a Google form to sign up. Um, and I think I had like a hundred replies or something like that. And there was like a few questions. Um, so there's obviously a big drop off there. So like getting a hundred replies, it was already pretty good. I feel like, um, so that was like step number one. And like, I don't think any of those people who went through the, doing the survey and, you know, they sound like they're a really good fit and you're really excited. Like, I don't think any of them are customer today, like none of them. Mm. Um, and then after that, like when I had like my beta, whatever you want to call it ready, I also took prepayments for it. So like I, I asked people to pay a hundred bucks to get access for three months, like while it was in beta. Um, and I think. I asked six people and they all paid and they didn't have any hesitation paying that money. And again, like I think one of them is still using the product right now, but it's a free user. Like it's just, you know, spend so much time on all the validation and it doesn't really Mm -hmm. like, it doesn't prove anything. Like it just proves, it proves that six people wanted to pay me a hundred bucks because for some reason that's what they want to do. Um, (laughs) Or like it proved that some like a hundred people thought that they were going to like adopt this new deployment tool or CICD tools. They believed that enough that they answered like five questions in a survey, but it doesn't prove that they will be a good customer. So it's like, I don't know if I, if I really learned anything from that or gained anything from that. So I don't know if I, if I'm doing it again, I don't think that's the way I'm going to start. Like, I'm just going to like, try to like i want i i'd probably try to have something available that people can actually buy and use faster so you just get validation from a real product and not like these hmm. um pseudo whatever versions of the actual thing that they're going to pay for <laughs> yeah i'm yeah. i'm feeling the same <laughs> yes yeah, so, you know ben and i had a debate about this last week and it sounds to me like you're on ben's side <laughs> <laughs> It's just like, how do you validate something? It's like, it's honestly, it's like the polls, like with the elections and stuff, right? Like you just don't know if people are going to do what they tell you they're going to do. <laughs> yep. Right. Yeah, I can see that. I mean, it's like, I think you can figure out some things beforehand, but like you're saying, like eventually you got to build something and like actually, you know, hit the road uh, with some rubber and see what how it turns out and get some customers coming in the door and learn from that yeah um so yeah i definitely see that i think there's a balance between like just going out and just like just trying to talk to so many people and not ever like doing anything with it because kind of like you're saying i think it's like when you do something with the knowledge you have already like that's when you really start to maybe learn more probably um but yeah that makes sense i think it's also pretty interesting that I don't think you would have come to the same conclusion if you didn't do like all the stuff that you've done. <laughs> um, Probably and, not. And it's pretty interesting because I think I was one of those first 100 people who actually took the survey for Branch. Um, because oh. in my, yeah. 
<laughs> this goes full circle here because in my day job um I'm actually like the last time I deployed a WordPress site to a live server was like three hours ago. <laughs> I'm gonna um, check that. <laughs> so, <laughs> so um, this is kind of part of my day job um, all the time, and it was I've always been interested in seeing where you where you're going to take this, and it just made me so happy that you at some point started focusing on agencies, because I think it makes a lot of sense, and I actually kind of want to know if you um like if you think that as a solo wordpress developer like if that's actually somebody you would target with branch right now agencies no like like wordpress developers like freelancers who are basically just doing it on on their own freelancers are still can still be good i think because a lot of freelancers actually work for agencies um mm. so they bring it into the agency um the people i don't want as branch customers right now are people doing products and like there for a long time like the first year of branch every time i talked to someone who was like an influencer in the wordpress space like they already they always had a product like a wordpress plugin or something like that and they had so many feature requirements so it never felt like the 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 product was feature complete like it just always felt like there we were missing some like really complicated feature that they needed and it wasn't until like i just decided that i'm not going to care about those and just focus on the agencies that it just like the product just started clicking better and i realized it's almost feature complete because and like the tipping point for me was like you know most of the agencies we have like they use it to run essentially like they use it to run rsync right to <laughs> deploy move files yep so it's like they clone a git repository maybe they have a call of build steps and maybe they want to add some tests or q a stuff but in the end like they're just moving the files over and the value is like they have all their projects in one place it's easy to set up like it's easy to connect with the ssh keys and stuff like that because we integrate some with some of the hosting companies like we we talk with their apis and stuff like that so that's fine but then like one day like i had this um product developer or plugin developer who had a product in the wordpress space come in in the live chat and he wanted um to talk about pricing because he he had to like run tests across like seven different wordpress versions and 10 different php versions or whatever and in the end it's like when you combine all that it's like 100 different builds or something like that every time he pushes some <laughs> code and he had ran out of free uh, build minutes on Google or GitHub Actions. <laughs> so, like, he wanted to see if if Branch was somehow cheaper or, like, he could squeeze out more builds out of Branch. And he didn't have any willingness to pay because he's, like, <laughs> doing a WordPress plugin. And it just <laughs> occurred to me, like, his use case is so complicated. Like, it requires yeah. all this, like, concurrency and stuff like that. And he's not willing to pay. Like, he doesn't really... Like, he's just trying to, like, save a few bucks and it's like i don't want him as a customer yep that makes and, sense yeah yeah so peter this is awesome because we can really make this go full, full circle for you and figure out what happened with that survey uh so ben <laughs> <laughs> ben why didn't you become a paying customer here like what happened um probably because it was too expensive at the time um and you look like you know like at my company i'm like the cto role kind of um so if if we 
uh, introduce like a new CI tool, it's probably me who's like the idiot who A has to propose doing it <laughs> and B has to go and install it or whatever. <laughs> yeah. Um, and so, so what we had at the time and what we're still running is a self-hosted GitLab instance. And I had that set up already and it's like, it's pretty complex and complicated and it's probably too much for just WordPress developers. So I was- This is such a German thing though. Like- <laughs> Wait, running GitLab instances? Yeah, German, German people thing. and their, you know, on-premise GitLab instances is just a thing. <laughs> I didn't know that. <laughs> yeah, but that's I like- I think it, it's partly that because we are concerned about where the data is is stored and everything. I think that's actually something that you could capitalize on with Branch as well. Like, yeah, I don't want to do that. <laughs> I, I don't want to deal with German customers. German customers <laughs> oh. is like German customers like self-hosted GitLab and like, uh, can you please send an invoice for like this two dollar whatever purchase and like can it please have like two pages of like whatever. <laughs> <laughs> street names and company numbers and stuff on it like yeah can you please a... <laughs> attach all the german tax laws <laughs> yeah <laughs> okay yeah i get it no it makes sense and yeah i mean we, we had that running already so i i didn't really um, follow that further there at that point but i did follow the journey <laughs> yeah your listeners are gonna learn the, the scream of my five-year-old a <laughs> five-week-old son <laughs> maybe it's not that bad <laughs> He's not happy about getting his diaper changed. Um, so yeah, the truth comes out, I guess, that uh, Ben didn't fill out the survey, but Peter didn't really want you anyway, so... <laughs> yeah, I was a bad customer. <laughs> Man. <laughs> yeah, like, in fact, like, so I guess the kind of like the strategy we have now with Brange is very much focused on partnerships with the hosting companies in WordPress space. And when you look at the WordPress hosting companies, like there are just, you know, so it's a wide spectrum of like price points basically. And some of them are very like focused on agencies and larger agencies and they have like fairly high price points. And funnily enough, like those hosting companies with large agencies and higher price points are the, you know, provide the best customers because price is not their biggest concern and like they just want something that works and that scales and that like hooks into their existing workflow and that like a you know sales rep or whatever like person they know at the hosting company has told them is good to use right so yeah those are the best customers right now actually for us yeah that makes sense, that makes sense. one thing i'm pretty curious about right now um also because you mentioned the situation with uh uh, with COVID and how it's been really hard. Um, yeah. But you're, you're still like keeping your focus really well, I think. Um, have you ever thought about a co-founder and do you think that could be beneficial in like such situations as now? Um, I, well, one of the good things about being in Tiny Seed has been that, like at times it's felt like having a co-founder. Um, so like, I don't really feel like I need a co-founder actually. I've had co-founders with other failed startups in the past and i think actually a big part of why they failed maybe was because it was like the classic classical 50 50 co-founder split um i think it really sometimes it just really hurts progress like what i always hear is like one person just cares more than the other and i think it's important that the person that cares most uh is most invested as well 
Um, so I think there's, I don't know. I think Matt, my co-host uh, on Out of Beta, like he has pretty strong opinions about this, about like basically is a most expensive investor you're ever going to have. Like you're giving half your com company potentially to someone else, um, which is like a lot. <laughs> well, you, well, you get well, like mm -hmm. you, when tiny seed invest, you get a valuation essentially, right? So you can calculate how much 50% of the company is worth. Um, it's a lot of money. So I, I don't feel like I needed a co-founder necessarily. I can definitely see the value. Um, I think if you like, there are ways to hire early employees that are awesome. And I've been really lucky, uh, with doing that, that aren't necessarily co-founders, but like they care enough to feel like a co-founder at times. And I think, mm -hmm. yeah, being in an accelerator like Tiny Seed helps a lot because you have masterminds. You always have like, so you have a Slack with just, you know, people you were friends with because you go on retreats together and stuff like that. And you can, they understand your business and you can talk everything through with them. And you also get to pick at like, you know, certain problems you want to talk to certain people about. Um, and then I think like really with my co-host Matt um, on Auto Beta, like, He's not my co-founder at all. He's actually also an investor in Branch. Um, so, you know, a lot of the conversations that maybe you would have with a co-founder, I have with, you know, him or we're in a mastermind as well with Derek Reimer. Like, so we'll have, you know, conversations in our mastermind group about these things. Like, I think basically what I'm trying to think is, say is I think there are ways around it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's pretty cool. And I, I feel like, like that's, I don't know if that's newer that it's, that you can do that but or or just something that is more part of like the bootstrapped community where it's like so founders can like yeah all be doing their own thing but really kind of help each other and stuff yeah. where if i can like, say one thing like yeah. a co-founder is a very 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 expensive way to try to solve like a loneliness problem <laughs> like if <laughs> yeah. you're if you're i'm honestly like if you're lonely like doing your startup there are other ways to to solve that problem like giving someone half of your company or 20% of your company or whatever, like that's a really, really expensive way to try to solve that problem. Yeah, that's yeah, that true. Sense. I mean, they would probably have to have certain skills that you're lacking, like marketing or whatever. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But then it's just I an mean, expensive hire. Yep. Right. Like the startup kind of community, I think, I, I don't know if they've changed on this, but at least like a lot of the reading and stuff I've done in the past, you know, like Y Combinator and a lot of more of the, the startup crowd like they kind of said like basically you shouldn't even try if you're doing it by yourself like basically you always need to go and get a co-founder and i think it's interesting to kind of hear the different perspective which i also agree with you on but do you know why they say that why company yeah because it's gonna be billions of dollars anyways it doesn't matter no <laughs> it's because it is, for them it's an insurance policy when they invest because if right. one person and I hate this analogy. People always use the bus analogy. And one of my friends actually ended up in a coma because he got hit by a bus. So oh, I don't boy. like to use that analogy. But, you know, if something happens to one of the co-founders, like they still have a horse in the, in the race, right? Yep. It's true. <laughs> yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. <laughs> um, it's not because the founders need a co-founder necessarily. Like, because if your startup fails because a co-founder leaves and you're, or a founder leaves and it's just you, like, like, you know what I mean? Like, it doesn't make any, like, it doesn't really necessary. It's not because of, they care about you that they want you to have a co-founder. Yeah. It's an insurance policy. 
Well, I think it's also cool, though, that I feel like over the years, like, you know, t technology has progressed and like just a lot of things have progressed to where I think it's easier for a solo founder to actually pull off a successful business where maybe in the past that was a lot harder just because there's so much more work to do just to get started and just to get something out there. Yeah. And like, for example, like starting one of these podcasts is like a super simple way to have these kinds of conversations every week with someone um and it at times like it feels like having a co-founder like so you know justin jackson's podcast like you that it sounds like that's their weekly conversation as well in many ways yeah, right yeah. like of course they talk in slack but you know there are other people you could talk to in slack and i we talk in slack as well uh, for branch even though like you can talk to people that are not your co-founders yeah that's pretty smart pretty wise i think not just have to give 50% away because you're lonely. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not saying it's always like that, of course. Like, there are times where it makes a lot of sense. Right, like, right. Yeah. So, and I think, like, if you're the typical, like, you know, the social network movie, like, you're these, you know, three people in college or something like that, and you want to, like, hack on something together, like, you're obviously your co-founders. But, mm -hmm. like, my life is so... Like everything I do is so specific to the way my life is. Like I I have a son, like I have a wife, I have things I like to do, like I have my own preferences. Like as soon as you have a co-founder, it's like who's it just becomes really complicated, I think. It's and like your second marriage. Yeah. <laughs> but at yeah, the same time. <laughs> but it's like everything has to fit together and what are the expectations and I don't know. I think it's easier if you're for example, if you're single, it's probably yep. easier, right? Yeah, yeah, that's true. That makes sense. Um, yeah. Speaking of actually the tech becoming like or making it easier to build complicated things. Um, here's one thing that I'm kind of curious about, um, because in a way, I feel that branch is also competing with stuff like GitHub. You already mentioned GitHub Actions and I'm mentioning GitLab instances being self-hosted. Um, so I'm kind of curious how you think about that because you're, you're kind of positioned like in between those. Are you actually yeah. competing with them? Are you not? Because you're very spe specifically focusing on, on WordPress. Yeah. I I was until I read April Dunford's book. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I call her out all the time because she's like, she's so awesome. And she like her book made me realize that CICD is... <laughs> it's what she calls a trend. I think it's like something that everyone thinks they should use and they aspire to use. It's like, you know, eating six vegetables a day or whatever. Like it's something people <laughs> know that they should do. Like you should run tests in CI or whatever, <laughs> but deployment is something everyone does. Right. Um, but what I also realized is CI CD is coming, becoming so commoditized. You know, that's the thing. Like I touched on with the guy who was just, you know, want to squeeze out some extra free builds, uh, with branch because he ran out of free builds at GitHub Actions. Yeah, yeah. Like you pay by the minute and it's essentially, it's just Docker containers as a service. Like you could just run jobs in a sequence um, and you get a certain amount for free. And like all the big, you know, uh, technology companies, they have their own version of it. That's like, that's not a good market. And, you know, the, the original take was like, but we're doing it for WordPress. So like the, the value is, you know, we make it easy to do WordPress specific stuff, which I think was good, but it's still like, it's you, like when you're comparing yourself to CI CD, like it's like comparing yourself to like an electricity provider or something like that. Um, 
so when we started thinking about deployment like it just changed how we thought about everything so like now the value is much more like we have like you know every week almost like i have a meeting with a partner that we work with like a hosting company and i you know they t i talk to them about like what's the best practice way to deploy to your platform like what are upcoming changes that our users should be aware of and so instead of like having to program essentially like a 50 line long yaml file yeah. for <laughs> circle ci that no one knows how to do like everyone would have to google that unless they're like have like some special skill unless they're german <laughs> yeah unless they're a german <laughs> They would enjoy that. Um, it's you know it does it doesn't make any sense why people have to spend so much time learning how to use CI/CD when it's like it just gets in people's ways. So we're a deployment tool now. We work with the hosting companies. We add like all the stuff you need on top of CI/CD. So like it's CI/CD under the hood, um, but you don't have to know about it. You have to worry about it. Like it's you just like the value proposition becomes about something that people care more about and that everyone does like everyone deploys like yeah, yeah some people do it manually or you know so not everyone does CICD <laughs> um it's optional right well, well I are not optional I deployed with an FTP today but uh <laughs> <laughs> yeah I, I think though it's pretty important that you went through that change I think and that repositioning I think that's um like the way i see it and having like having watched that evolution from you know like branch from the beginning to now it makes a ton of sense to me as yeah. somebody who's potentially like a user of it <laughs> yeah you can see it in our numbers as well like it just it took a while for the product to catch up as well like it started really catching up over the summer and now people people are getting it and our conversion conversion from free sign up to paid customers like four or five times higher now even though the numbers are still really small, of course. But yeah, but that's still great. <laughs> yeah. Um, so you could just see it in the numbers. One thing, Peter, I've been wondering is, because it, it seems from at least what I've seen from, you know, what you guys talk about out of beta, it seems like you're like selling maybe to like bigger companies or, you know, bigger agencies. Like, is that, have you found that that's harder or like, how's that gone, gone for you? Not necessarily bigger agencies. Like as soon as they have a couple of developers, like it's a pretty good, pretty good value for them. Um, so far, like we have, we don't sell really. Like it's the the whole idea with like a freemium product is the product sells itself. And I think the the thing that works with the partnerships right now, like the thing that's is starting to work with those, is that the the hosting company actually sells branch to the person. So like as soon as someone comes because they've been recommended by a hosting company it's they've been sold already um so the hard sells are people people who already like have another tool that is okay but they saw branch somewhere and it looked cool and they want to use it but then they didn't want to like bother setting it up or paying for it or whatever um but then we don't really try to sell them like if they already have if they're already content with what they have so it's more that hasn't been a big issue like the issue is more about activation in the product and like getting people to do their first deployment, mm -hmm. connecting their, you know, servers and stuff like that. Um, but it's not so much like we get enough signups right now to like prove if things are working or not. 
So it's not so much about like going out in the market and try to sell it. Um, yeah. We the, at least like a big part of the go-to market strategy is the hosting companies doing that basically. Yeah. Follow-up question, right? Aiming at, at that because at some point, <laughs> obviously branch was un unknown to those hosting companies and they like, you kind of had to build trust with them. Right. Yeah. Um, do you think that was like harder because you were like bootstrapping and you were alone and like this <laughs> unknown thing that they kind of should trust and sell to their customers? There's a few different things there. Like with some of them, like having investors can really help actually. Uh, if especially if they know your investors and in my case some of them did know my investors oh uh, that's good <laughs> yeah so that obviously helps um and then the other thing is wp pusher has been in the market for a long time and even though it's not making that much money like it's still and there's a free version of it as well and it is running on like thousands of wordpress sites and a lot of the you know around the time the pusher came out like a lot of the hosting companies needed to like figure out how to basically add support for like a github based workflow and none of them didn't really have a good answer for it so but what a lot of them did was they just added a, a page to their documentation where they mentioned wp pusher <laughs> so a lot of our partners actually already had wp pusher on on um, their sides mentioning it um and like there's been instances where i was talking to like a sales team at at a hosting company and during the conversation like one of the salespeople realized that um, that I was also the creator of WP Pusher. So he was like, oh, I've been recommending that to people for years. <laughs> oh, that's, that's like immediately like yeah, you have trust good. built, right? So, but that's like, that's something that's hard to replicate, I guess. It's yeah. just, um, you know, something you built over the years. Like another thing I noticed, uh, like kind of interesting thing. And I, I think I mentioned this on our podcast was uh, for, uh, of all the successful partnerships we have right now like all the su successful ones all the ones that are like kind of like has some momentum at one point i had like i met in person with someone who had a management role at that hosting company and shared some sort of beverage like a beer or a coffee or something <laughs> like that typically at a conference but also just like you know when we when tiny seed had their minneapolis retreat i realized that uh, Pantheon, the hosting company, also had an office in um, in Minneapolis. So, like, I cold emailed uh, whatever, like, person there. And I was like, hey, can you meet at, like, this day at this time? Because that's, like, I'm in, in the city for, like, an hour before going on this retreat. And he was like, sure, let's have a coffee. So, like, just really, like, trying to be meeting people in nice. real life. And, and then, you know, build on that relationship, like, with, you know, with... Uh, WP Engine, which is a partner now, like I had a relationship to someone with a management role there because he had he had had a I think a lower role, like lower level role when when um, I was doing WP Pusher and he helped me like get it into their uh, whatever directory. And then later on, I was on his podcast and, you know, just like yeah, building yeah, yeah. trust like that. It just takes a long time. And that, but it the I guess the good news is it's a moat you built like. Mm hmm. Like no no competitor, you could just come in and and do partnerships with all our partners in two weeks. Like I don't think I don't see at least how they could do that. It just takes some time to kind of build that trust and have a lot of meetings and like be willing to not only have a lot of meetings but also learn 
the game of business development um because there's just so much at least that i didn't know like also like being not like not being an american like a lot of these companies are american so like you know i'm just like a random dude from denmark and all of a sudden like you're in a <laughs> in a virtual conference room with like two vps like a senior something something and a director at a hosting company and you're having like a serious discussion about something and like you're you know you're basically selling them so like it's really high leverage because you're selling them and then they'll tell like their people that they should sell branch like eventually that's hopefully that's what, what i hope for um but it's like also super intimidating and it's you need to, like there's a lot of stuff you just need to learn about how the how that process works and what people mean when they say stuff like um they use a lot of interesting words you know when you do business development with like big corporations <laughs> buzzwords and things or <laughs> yeah and some of them have like some of them have very significant meanings right that you don't necessarily like you need to know what it means like when you understand what something means like you realize that you had a meeting like you know a month ago and they were talking about something that you you didn't pick up at all like what they were actually saying like they were saying no or they were saying yes <laughs> with like very complicated answers like, i was in that meeting and i had no idea what they were just talking about <laughs> yeah yeah actually matt wensing my co-host is my secret weapon when it comes to these <laughs> sorts of meetings like i always have a always have like a a brief before and after one of these meetings <laughs> yeah, oh that's great cool. yeah but you know the trust is hard to build but um i think i was lucky getting maybe this one of the like maybe the second best name first and then use that to get the best name and then when you have the best name it's like the other ones are easier and then you know you have a partnership and then it just stalls for eight months because someone quit or someone don't care or whatever and you just have to like have a recurring task to like follow up with people again and again and again and again and again <laughs> and then like out of nowhere like eight months later like people are so excited to like start talking to you again and like they have all these plans and yeah yeah that I, i'm sure that can be frustrating at times like you know just like having to be patient to wait for them to come through and like i'm sure they have different priorities at different times so it's like things don't line up necessarily for them to even care at points so it's just like I'm sure that's frustrating at times. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> well, cool. Uh, thanks, Peter, for for sharing your story with us. And uh, really awesome to see kind of how how you started Branch and just all the different things you've gone through and learned. So that's pretty cool. So thanks for sharing with that. Uh, listeners, if you want to check out Peter, definitely check out his podcast, Out of Beta. And you can check out Branch. And we'll put those links in the show notes for sure. So thanks again for coming on, Peter. Thanks for having me. <laughs> All right. Talk to you next week. Talk to you next week. Bye.